As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. What's going on, everybody? Welcome into an episode of the Buffalo Beat. The Bills have concluded their 2020 regular season after defeating the Miami Dolphins by a whopping score of 56 to 26. The Bills have won their last six games. Over the last three games, they have averaged 47.3 points and are playing as well offensively offensively as they possibly could be wanting to right now heading in to the playoffs where things start to get real and with the win they also uh, clinch the number two seed in the AFC which means that they will host both the uh, the wild card game and if they are able to handle their business in the first round they will once again host the divisional round game uh, regardless if it's the three seed Pittsburgh that that moves on so a lot of things in uh, in order to talk about as we get closer to the Bills' first try at a, or really wanting to get that first playoff victory since 1995. And now we know it just went final by the time we're recording here. Um, it will be the Indianapolis Colts facing off against the Buffalo Bills after the Titans barely pulled one out against the uh against the Houston Texans in the late stages of that game. So with me as always is my co-host Matthew Fairburn. And Matthew, this game over the Dolphins, over a team that needed it, where they basically just ran over them with a Mack truck, was incredibly impressive. Maybe a tad bit foolish for leaving their core guys out there as long as they did. But, you know, it, it ended up working out for them. And the and the Bills are now flying high heading into that uh, that first playoff game. Yeah, probably not necessarily what I would have done or what a lot of people out there would have done in terms of playing the starters as long as they did. But it doesn't matter. Um, you right. know that that conversation goes out the window because nobody got hurt, um, and they got what they were looking for. They wanted the number two seed and they got it. They took it on their own. They they swept the division. They broke a whole bunch of records. Josh Allen padded his MVP resume. 
um, and probably has a as strong a case as he's had all season uh, right now. And I think they, you know, at first it felt like they were in this weird in-between spot. They went the whole first quarter without scoring. Uh, they were losing three to nothing. And it almost felt like they were playing guys, but they weren't playing all the way. You know, they, they weren't, mm-hmm. whatever it was, whether Brian Dable was holding something back for the first round of the playoffs or guys were, you know, only half in it because they knew they were playing, but they were going to get pulled at some point. It, at that point, it felt like a waste. It was like, all right, somebody is going to get hurt. There's nothing to gain here. But when they snapped out of it and had, you know, four touchdowns in that second quarter or three, yeah, four touchdowns in that second quarter, including one uh, right near the end, it felt like, all right, this is what they wanted to get out of this. This is why they wanted these guys on the field. They wanted to to keep some of this going. And if they had pulled them after the first quarter, they would have missed all of that. Uh, because in the first quarter, they didn't look great. They looked, you know, out of sync and uh, something was just a little bit off. But this game went as well as you could have asked a week 17 game to go, especially when, you know, they played their starters for a full half uh, mm-hmm. and didn't really, you know, suffer any repercussions from that. They got all the benefit without any of the, the blowback. So, um, this is where they want to be heading into the postseason, playing this way. And then for the backups to finish the job the way that they did, right? Uh, you know, the defense stayed in a little bit, but it was mostly the backup defense too. And that was a, a thorough and convince, convincing beatdown. The only thing they could have hoped that would have gone better is if somehow they had been matched up with the Dolphins again uh, in the playoffs because – they they just own that team. Josh Allen owns that yeah. team, and and this Bills team put two huge point totals on them this year. Yeah, they they really did. Um, although a a little part of me was thinking, well, if they get this Dolphins team again, the way that they were pouring it on in the second half with their backups and continuing to throw even late when they were up by that much, like that that. I think had a chance to have kind of a reverse effect with the Dolphins, you know, giving them that just that little extra edge, but neither here nor there. The Dolphins are out. The one thing I will say, and this will be the last thing I say about the whole resting starters thing, just because they, they came away scot-free and didn't suffer an injury and a significant injury to one of their big players doesn't mean it was the right decision to do it for as long as they did. I mean, there is a difference between having the right process and and coming out with with the results you want and going into it with something that was a little bit too risky and you know escaping injury the way that they did. There were a lot of times in that game where it looked like Josh Allen was about to get rocked, and we all know about him. He he will not get out of the way for for a hit especially when he's carrying the ball like these are things that that are inherently who he is and all you need is one misstep with your leg and then there's a random tackler to be there and then all of a sudden Josh Allen's playoffs are over so i by no means am, am i here to to be the the um the rain cloud over the whole thing but i i will say 
I don't think it was the right call to play them that long in this sort of game. But I know, and I know people are going to disagree, and I know people are going to say, "Look, they got away scot free." I, I just don't think results should dictate whether or not it was the right decision. Uh, it, it, it's not something that I would have done. I don't think it's something that you would have done. I don't think it's something a lot of people would have done. Um, and and th- that's really the last thing I'll say about that. I just they they played with fire. They got away with it. Good for them. Um, and you'd you'd have to think that. Or you wonder if maybe this will impact future decisions in games like this one because they got away with it. But, you know, they, they won't always be so lucky. Yeah, it's weird because last year they didn't really do it. I, I do actually believe Sean McDermott when he says every team, every situation, everything is is different, treated individually mm-hmm. because yeah, that's, exact, that's exactly what he did this week. And I think uh, as it turned out, they, they put a, a high priority on that that number two seed. I, I think that's what the the whole thing came down to was how much was that worth? And I think it's, it's all right that they viewed it that way. Um, I'm with you in the fact that, yeah, you're probably um, risking things unnecessarily by, by having, you know, guys out there as long as you did. Stefan Diggs took a big hit. I think the, the reason you're taking as much of a risk too, is you're going up against a division rival uh, a team that is was probably starting to get frustrated at certain points mm-hmm. in that game and easily could have just taken a cheap shot on any one of those guys. Um, so, again, I, I don't think it – like, yes, the you don't want the result to skew bad process. That's actually Sean McDermott's uh, big thing. But mm-hmm. I'd, I think in the end – it won't, it, it obviously doesn't matter. It's like, yeah, you know, it's yeah, like, exactly. you know, it, they got away with it and not only did they get away with it, but they got everything out of it that they could have hoped to get. You know, if they played them for a quarter, which even felt like too much at times, then they would have gotten, you know, a lousy offensive quarter and interception. And it, at points during that first quarter, I was thinking, man, this is not a great way to go into the playoffs. Like to have, them out there and playing that way. But then to have the second quarter, I think was exactly what they wanted. And this offensive line has done a good job keeping Josh Allen clean. He did take some hits today, but there weren't too many moments where it felt the one moment that was probably scary for Bills fans was Stefan Diggs taking that, that hit. Mm-hmm. He he's I've, all year. He's been doing that thing where he gets down before contact, almost like a quarterback. Uh, and you're almost waiting for something like that to happen where I know it looked like a dirty hit, but you don't always expect as a defensive player for a wide receiver to slide down the way that Diggs does. So that was probably the the one that had people holding their breath a little bit, but mm-hmm. yeah, to get out of it, what they did, I, I thought worked out really well for them. Um, it yeah. won't always work out that way, but there is also, you know, they have to be feeling really good uh, about the way that they played and the fact that they're going to enter the playoffs as one of the healthiest teams in the league. Uh, and, you know, they've that's um, sometimes half the battle. Yeah, especially if they get Cole Beasley back for that uh, for that playoff game because I don't think there was any player that left the game. The, the two players that, that got injured were Taron Johnson and Saran Neal and both came back later on in the game. So um, that, that was good for them from that perspective. Uh, so it, for now, it's just 
it's for them to stay healthy throughout uh, throughout the week and and to kind of go from there. I do kind of wonder whether or not playing them the entire first half was actually Sean McDermott's plan because he did kind of say something um, in his post game press conference to where he kind of alluded, you know, it doesn't always go the way that you 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 draw it up. And so I wonder if maybe he just wanted to get like a few good offensive drives right at the right at the start, and then maybe pull uh, pull them. Uh, but because that wasn't happening and they looked kind of flat, maybe he he just made the the game time call to to continue on until until he saw a fit to where he felt like they were in a good spot um, heading into it. And it felt like again, the first half thing. At, at, yeah. at, it felt like it got to a point where it was going to be the half because they were up twenty one to six, and they still put Josh Allen and the offense out there at the end of the first half for another drive. Um, so. That was a comfortable lead, at which point I thought they might, you know, pull the plug, but they decided to do it again. And and in which case it, it felt like, I don't know, maybe if the score wasn't so out of hand, they don't pull them to start the second half. Uh, you know, I think they were doing some scoreboard watching and probably, you know, figuring out where things stood, um, you know, with that, that Browns game. And that was a close game for most of the afternoon. It's not as if the Browns made it easy on him. Um, so in some ways it's um, Isaiah McKenzie gets the the game ball for putting the game out of reach um, with a couple touchdown catches and the punt return that saved them from another offensive drive because Josh Allen would have had to go out on the field for that one as well. So he, uh, he saved the Bills from themselves a little bit there by uh, making sure the offense didn't have to go out there at all. Yeah, Isaiah McKenzie pulled the, put the game on his back Greg Jennings style. Um, it was, it was, uh, quite the showing for, for that guy. All right. Uh, let's discuss some of the, the individual characteristics of the game because it was just a thorough thrashing. And again, for this team, like I said, in, in the intro, this is now a bills team that has scored an average of 47 points over their last three games, which, uh, you know, in 2017, um, it probably would have taken them three games to get to 47 points or even at some points last year uh, when the offense really wasn't rolling too hot. Uh, certainly in 2018 when they went 6-10. and 10. But this this offense is just unbelievable right now. And, you know, this was even well before the backups went in. They started to run up the score. And, and when Josh Norman was able to get the interception for a touchdown, like it, they are just firing every single way that a, you would think a legitimate Super Bowl contender would be heading into the playoffs. And now it's just a matter of avoiding the letdown in the first week because they're going up against an opponent that looks that is tough. Don't get me wrong. They have a, a running back that just went for over 200 yards and um, clinched the game with a 45-yard touchdown run against the Jaguars in Jonathan Taylor. But you are facing a team that looks extremely beatable. And now it's a matter of them taking care of their business and and marching on and, and making sure this isn't a, a, a one-game flameout because the, the, the season has become so much bigger than, than just that. And getting the number two seed, finishing so close in record to the Chiefs, like it's, they are just on top of the world right now. And, um, 
in you know every single phase. Special teams, even without having to play Andre Roberts one bit, they played without their their star gunner in Taiwan Jones. They who they made him a healthy scratch. Uh, on defense, they sat three of their core players in Tredavious White, Jerry Hughes, and Mario Addison. Um, and and then on offense, of course, they didn't have Cole Beasley, and they were still able to do exactly what they did. So this is, once again, just a team that looks primed for bigger things. And, you know, capping off the season with uh, with a 50-burger, that's, uh, that's, that's pretty darn impressive. Yeah, it's a good, pretty good way to to finish it off, and yeah, I think they're now a team that you know it's Super Bowl is is the uh, the end goal here, and mm-hmm. that wasn't the case, you know, a couple of months ago, a couple of months ago necessarily for you know in the eyes of outsiders and and fans, uh, I think the expectations around this team have seriously shifted. Uh, even if you go back to like midseason uh, when they mm-hmm. had that 18 to 10 game against the Jets and, you know, that close game against the Patriots still felt like a team that was finding itself and, and figuring out, you know, what what it, you know, kind of was uh, on both sides of the ball. The defense really started to to come through uh, and, and play the way that the 2019 defense did uh, for most of the year. And the offense has just been putting up crazy numbers um you know the way the bills have just since the bye week uh really dominated just about every team that they've played uh that's how you want to finish a season that's how you start a super bowl type of run and yeah it's uh certainly uh you know no given right they've got to win uh two games just to get to a a presumed matchup with the chiefs uh if the chiefs uh, when in the divisional round, so they've got to get past two tough teams, but you know, a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about potential opponents and things like that, the Colts were one of those teams you looked at and thought, yeah, that's not a bad matchup for the bills. Um, not to no team's going to be easy this time of year. Mm-hmm. Uh, the dolphins would have been a nicer matchup for sure, but of the teams in the AFC playoffs right now, I almost think the Colts are the preferred preferred matchup for the bills um you know that they were pretty close to playing the titans there on uh you know some some crazy uh a crazy finish there in houston but yeah maybe pittsburgh because we saw what the bills did to them but really i think indianapolis is uh you know pretty good matchup for the bills um so Mm -hmm. i think this all worked out pretty well for him and now rather than having a a second round matchup against the Chiefs or a road game against the Steelers they're going to be at home playing you know either the Steelers or you know somebody seated lower than the Steelers the Browns perhaps Uh, well they can't play the Browns the Browns would be the only team that they can't play Mm -hmm. so either the Steelers the Titans or the Ravens and that game will be at home so Mm-hmm. You know, that's if they can take care of their business and beat the Colts. But they've set themselves up with a path to, um, you know, a pretty, pretty good chance at heading to the Super Bowl. And if the Chiefs lose, they've got a potential to play three playoff games at home and, you know, before, you know, getting to the Super Bowl. So all these things that we weren't even talking about a few months ago now seem somewhat realistic. Yeah, definitely. And 
I will say I, I have been watching a lot of the Titans over the last month, month and a half or so, and they have not impressed me a great deal in terms of how the Bills would be able to match up against them now as opposed to what they were back when they played. And that game was in a bit of, of different circumstances too. Like there was a lot of external motivators for, for the Titans too, especially since it was kind of the me versus the world thing. But the Titans, they, they can't stop anybody through the air. And that would have been, and, and they don't have a pass rush either to speak of because Clowney is done. And they, they haven't really had production from, from that spot. So uh, I think even though the Bills lost to the Titans earlier in the year, I still think it would have been an extremely winnable matchup for them. But now they, they don't have to play them. They're going to play against the Colts. And, you know, just for, from a seeding perspective, um, if the Steelers are able to defeat the Browns next week, which they almost did today with Mason Rudolph, and there are a couple of play. I watched some of the highlights from that game, some of Mason Rudolph's decisions. Oh God, I mean, I mean, he ended up throwing for over 300 yards, but some decisions to throw on an interception just not a great look for him. But if they can almost beat the Browns with that guy playing quarterback, then by all means. Ben Roethlisberger should ideally give them a better chance at it. And if the Steelers handle their business and defeat the Browns, then that means the Bills would avoid the Ravens altogether, both the Ravens and the Chiefs altogether until the AFC Championship game if the Bills are able to get that far. So um, I, I, I really think the way that this playoff bracket set up for them, pretty ideal. Um you know, getting the Colts, and I am anticipating the Steelers to beat the Browns, you know, haphazardly just because the Steelers have not played well recently. But I do think that they match up pretty well against those guys. It, it could set up for a Colts, then a Steelers, two matchups at home against those guys, and then you'd take on the winner of Chiefs um, versus Ravens slash Titans, which think will probably be the Ravens if I had to guess but you know we, we, we'll just have to see till wildcard weekend but I, it this playoff bracket you know it's going to be tough because every single team in the AFC playoffs has 11 wins at least but you know I think all things considered matchup wise and everything it's setting up pretty well for the Bills here yeah now they just have to go and and take care of it uh, you know, yeah, easier. Do, do what easy peasy. You know, keep playing the way that they're playing. There, there's not a team out there that that's watching the way this offense is playing and looking forward to you know a potential matchup with them or trying to you know or, or wishing that they'll they'll play them. But they're gonna be they're gonna be a hard out. Uh, I don't know that there's you know the the one thing about this Bills team and and the rest of the AFC is that there's not many defenses. It seems, you know, maybe the Steelers, uh, you could probably say the Ravens at times, um, but not too many defenses playing at a level where you would expect them to be able to slow down this offense. And that's the most dangerous thing about this Bills team is that they're able to score the way that they have. And, you know, that those are the games where the other team really ends up on its heels. And when the Bills have lost this year outside of that that fluky Hail Mary in a back-and-forth game with the Cardinals, the other two losses to the Titans and to the Chiefs, 
those were games where the offense was just stuck, you know, and, and couldn't get things going. And it's hard to see, you know, too many of these defenses having that in them. The Colts have a good defense, you know, they'll, they'll have, I'm sure a, a good plan for, for Josh Allen, but a lot of teams have had pretty good plans that work for a quarter or work for two quarters. Um, but it's hard to stop this offense for four quarters. John Brown back, uh, certainly helped out today. Stefan Diggs continues to be very tough to cover. Uh, we've talked about Isaiah McKenzie stepping up and, and, you know, finding a way to make a play or, or make a few plays. And if Cole Beasley can come back at some point in the playoffs, that just makes them even more dangerous. So, yeah, it's this is a a Bills team that I think has all the potential uh, to make mm-hmm. that kind of run. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with twenty four seven U.S. based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Let's, uh, let's discuss some of the, uh, some of the uh, under-the-radar standouts from the game because, you know, th- this will probably be their, their last chance to shine here. Um, until we get to training camp and uh, next year and and we start to talk about the roster bubble everything like that or maybe even the offseason stuff uh, because they the bills in the second half of the game were able to get a lot of their top guys some rest and you know specific standouts and maybe even before the second half began i think the first place you have to start is with isaiah mckenzie who just came in and was absolutely dynamic for them every way that that he could be playing in the slot um, ended up playing basically the entire game Uh, Andre Roberts didn't have a snap in that game whether it be on special teams or on offense so he he was active but you know not really so McKenzie played even all the way through the second half had the two touchdowns in the first half uh, you know played incredibly well and if Cole Beasley has to has to miss the first week of the playoffs the Bills have to be feeling pretty good about the in-house replacement to at least give them some some type of production not Cole Beasley level production maybe against a, a zone defense or anything like that because you can't completely replace the guy but you know for him to step up in that way the week leading into the playoffs, that's that's a huge thing for them to see if, if they have to go without Beasley. Yeah, he and he's been a player, you know, that somehow has stuck around on this team. Uh, you know, it's kind of amazing with all the turnover at receiver, all the players that they've added at receiver, that he's continued to survive at every turn. Um, you know, he was here in 2018, a midseason addition, and 
you know, ends up as a guy that makes some big plays, uh, you know, in a, a week 17 game that helps them, you know, clinch their number two seed, even in an abbreviated training camp this year, when they added Stefan Diggs, Gabriel Davis, Isaiah Hodgins to a group that already had, you know, guys that were, were locks, uh, to make the team like Cole Beasley and John Brown, even Andre Roberts as their return guy, they did some shuffling there out in the roster, but, you know, it was an uphill battle to make this team as a receiver, uh, as some guys found out. And Isaiah McKenzie is a guy that they've just stuck with, you know, the whole time. You know, Brian Dayball speaks very highly of him. Uh, you know, they're, he's an energetic guy that is constantly talking, constantly, um, you know, messing with his teammates uh, in the locker room and just kind of that, you know, really – kind of epitomizes a lot about this team uh, and, you know, sort of how they're built. And they can get it from anywhere, I think, is what they've shown throughout this season. Isaiah McKenzie, uh, just the latest example. It can come uh, from a, a tight end leak to Lee Smith. It can be, uh, you know, it can be Dawson Knox one, one game. 13 different guys caught a touchdown on this team. So uh, McKenzie in particular – being what he is out of the slot, not a one-to-one match for Cole Beasley, but it was interesting to hear him after the game talking about option routes he was running that Cole Beasley has taught him, you know, how to run like older players pouring into younger guys and, you know, seeing the development uh, and the investment that they they've made in terms of time with Isaiah McKenzie and roster spot with him, see it pay off like that, you know, I think it has to give them a little bit of confidence heading into the first round of the playoffs that they don't necessarily need to force Cole Beasley out there on one leg, uh, you know, because they have another guy that can step in and, and make some plays in his place. Yeah, he uh, he was just great for them in that first half. And, um, you know, it didn't really have as big of a second half, but that's mo- more, I think, to do with the fact that they were at least at some points, trying to run out the clock um, and run the ball a lot as much as possible with Antonio Williams. So, uh, so yeah, but the, the first half was really all he needed to prove to this Bills team or uh, to Sean McDermott and Brian Dable that if they're in a spot and, and they need a slot guy, um, they don't necessarily have to shoehorn Gabriel Davis or Stephon Diggs into the slot. Uh, they can go forward and have Davis be that fourth wide receiver, have McKenzie be the slot on, on some plays and be perfectly content going from there, even even without Cole Beasley. So very important for him uh, a week heading into the playoffs. Uh, another guy that I just brought up, which was an intriguing name just because we haven't seen much of him outside of some training camp practices here and there in the scrimmage, Antonio Williams the the running back who was called up from the practice squad um i think bill's twitter has already made him the new duke williams <laughs> and, I, and i'm saying that with all the respect in the world to antonio williams because he looked great i mean he had he had some bursts showed some wiggle showed some vision was able to uh to have some nice cuts in the backfield he was patient like that was some really good running against a, a Dolphins team that was still trying to get into it in the second half. And 
you know, he was he was running with purpose and uh, a lot of uh, respect for him to to come in cold and, and to do things that way. But uh, but yeah, I think he might have uh, replaced both Christian Wade and Duke Williams for uh, Bill's fans favorite practice squad guy from here on out. Yeah, and you can get running backs from everywhere. Uh, you know, I, I don't blame people for getting excited about a guy that, you know, flashes that type of ability. And like you said, it wasn't the backup Dolphins defense. Uh, it wasn't mm-hmm. a preseason game. This was a real NFL game. And this guy has not had preseason games. This is his first action, really. And he had three touchdowns last year in college, uh, had two today, so... You know, a really nice, uh, you know, day for him, a good moment for an undrafted rookie to get that kind of meaningful time, Um, you know, at the end of a season. You know, I don't expect him to earn a spot in the lineup necessarily. Uh, I don't think they're going to, you know, go away from what's worked, especially with pass protection being such a big uh, piece of the running back uh, position for them. But yeah, it does not hurt to have that type of depth at, at the running back position, especially uh, the way injuries compile up there over the course of a season. Uh, nice guy to stash away for for next year. Um, yeah. Now it's just going to be a matter of how are Bills fans going to clamor for both Antonio Williams and Christian Wade to get carries at the same time. <laughs> it's going to be very hard. It's going to be impossible. Um I think the way that you summed it up is pretty much the play. When he, uh, there's not a spot for him on the active roster unless something, some injury happens to one of their their three running backs already. And in Zach Moss, Devin Singletary, and TJ Yeldon, uh, they love Taiwan Jones. They're going to continue to have him be their special teams guy, and he will be active for the first playoff game. Uh, Zach Moss and Devin Singletary will be the other two active. TJ Yeldon, as long as he comes back um, from the reserve COVID-19 list, uh, he'll be the healthy scratch. And then my best guess would be Antonio Williams gets signed to a futures contract and then tries to earn his way on the roster next summer and potentially tries to uh, audition for that TJ Yeldon role next year. So, or maybe even maybe even more than that, but uh, but definitely he'll be in the conversation for that for that Yeldon role because Yeldon is a free agent after the season is up. Who else kind of uh, caught your eye today from the the younger guys and and maybe the guys we don't see as often as um, as some of the starting players? That. Dean Marlowe played fairly well. Um, you yeah, know, sure. A couple interceptions will do. You know, a guy that he's not necessarily one of those, you know, back of the – I mean, he is a back of the roster type of player, but he's not Antonio Williams. He's not a guy that we never see. He has been on the field uh, quite a bit. But, yeah, to get two interceptions, and he's another one behind the scenes, been around for a long time, been with, you know, Sean McDermott – even before Buffalo and not necessarily a guy that will definitely see the field in the playoffs, but he could in certain spots, he could, um, you know, on special teams or in nickel packages, he's a guy that could see the field and he's just playing with a ton of confidence at the moment. And, you know, I think when he's been asked to fill in, when, when guys get hurt, he's played well, He's, you know, just another sign of the depth that they have at safety along with Jaquan Johnson. But 
man, couple interceptions and, um, you know, just kind of flying all over the field. He's clearly uh, benefited from all that time in the safety room with, with Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer. Yeah, Marlowe was a standout. And, you know, part of uh, Jordan Poyer had to be a little bit uh, peeved that Marlowe was getting all those opportunities in his position when Poyer was potentially going to get a uh, quarter of a million uh, uh, incentive realized if he got one more interception. But, you know, I'm sure he was happy for Marlowe nonetheless for getting the playing time. But, but yeah, that's a, that's a good chunk of change, especially when Tua was just flinging it up with no regard at some points in that game so so yeah marlo was was a, a definitive standout there but yeah a lot of um a lot of these guys were interesting to watch the other one thing that i thought was interesting from an off-season perspective was the fact that they only had seven offensive linemen in this game right because ty and Seki, um it ha- ended up coming down with an illness he was unavailable for the game at that point. They had already um, issued their their practice squad call up, so they were basically um, SOL at that point, and so they couldn't bring up an eighth offensive lineman. So they had to go in with seven in a game where they wanted to get some of their guys some rest, probably. And what I found interesting was it forced a decision for them, and it forced us to kind of see their hand a little bit. And the two players of the starting five that came out um, when Ryan Bates went in and Brian Winters went in were Deion Dawkins, which I believe to be pretty obvious. He's their best offensive lineman. And, you know, he's the guy that they just invested a lot of money into and he plays one of the most important positions on the line. But the other one was not Mitch Morse. And we have seen how much of an emphasis they've put on the center position how much they put into Morse's contract. And this kind of goes back to our conversation from, I don't know, like maybe four or five weeks ago when the whole thing was happening about whether or not Morse was going to get back in the lineup and what this meant for him in the future. But the fact that they gave Feliciano rest time at guard ahead of Mitch Morse kind of, to me, shows the pecking order in their minds of what is most important on that offensive line. And you have to really wonder what that means from an off-season perspective uh, with with those two guys in particular, and especially with um, you know Daryl Williams being an, uh, a free agent as well, uh, in addition to John Feliciano. Uh, I know we've had this discussion before, but you have to wonder if this this is not a, a pretty big sign that they want Feliciano back in a big way. Yeah, I would think so. You know, usually whether they want them to be or not, those decisions about who gets pulled and who doesn't uh, usually tell you a little something. And yeah. Mitch Morris has played really well uh, ever since has, that, I agree. that whole situation. Um, he, I didn't think he was playing all that bad before that, but he's played really well since. And he's usually really, I've noticed he seems a lot more hard on himself. He's always been a guy that'll take responsibility and, and you know, own up to his mistakes and be kind of, melancholy after games but it seems to have intensified a bit here over the last couple of months um but i th- i think he's playing really well um but yeah it, it does make you wonder uh last year it was quentin spain who had to play right you know somebody mm-hmm. has to um you know especially when they only had uh seven guys active like you said but still um 
you know, it, it could have been Bates in the middle. Um, and, exactly. and it wasn't. So now Feliciano also at one point was kind of walking around gingerly. He didn't come out of the game or anything, but that could have been like a tiebreaker um, maybe, but it felt like they were they were more concerned with getting Feliciano out of there than they were Mitch Moore's. Yeah, and the other um, guy that possibly would have come out if Inseki was inval- was available would have been uh, would have been Daryl Williams because Inseki doesn't play anywhere else but right tackle. And I suppose they could have um, put Inseki at left tackle and then moved Ryan Bates inside to guard. But it seemed like the plan, at least with how they played it at the end of that Patriots game as well, Bates was the left tackle. Uh, Winters again went in for Feliciano at right guard. And Inseki went in at right tackle for um, for Daryl Williams, which left Mitch Morrison and Ike Butker out there once again. So, to me, it seems like there there's a there's a pretty clear pecking order there that uh, that they view Feliciano to be very important to the entire operation. But you know, I won't I won't uh, go too hard on that uh, just because I, I just I just found it kind of interesting because. You know, you do pick up on little things in games like these, especially when, you know, there's going to be some pretty intriguing uh, offseason decisions coming up. And um, as we've kind of discussed on the on the last show about whether or not this might be a transition offseason for that offensive line. So we'll, we'll see how that plays out once we get closer. All right, let's get to some awards. And we're going to have a lot of reverse awards today because I don't know that there's a lot to uh, – to pick apart in in this game for the Bills again, um, they're making it very hard on us to have fun with the Vontae Davis and Injury Archer Award. I'm sure fans are very happy <laughs> that they're going to be getting reverse awards instead of the regular awards. But uh, we'll we'll start it off with um, uh, with the Blaine Gabbard Award for perseverance. And since it is the Blaine Gabbard Award for perseverance, and and you are the person that um, has so consistently brought up Blaine Gabbert time and time again throughout the years. Uh, I will I will let you have the floor to, to say who the persevering player would be. Yeah, obviously lots of candidates in a game like this one. You know, guys like Antonio Williams, Isaiah McKenzie, uh, who we've brought up, guys that have, you know, hung around and got their chance and delivered. You could even say Matt Barkley, but I'm going to make it a season-long award and give it to Tyler Bass, who set a new franchise record for points in a season after starting the season kind of shaky, uh, missing some field goals, missing some extra points. Uh, He dug himself a hole to get to that record, but but got there today. So um, pretty good season-long mental toughness from him. He's been pretty, pretty good down the stretch so um you know kicking the ball well heading into the postseason yeah he's been awesome and uh he would not have gotten that record had it not been for all of the misfires of the bills in that week seven game against the jets where they came away with 18 points on i think like 10 potential scoring possessions um all six field goals so so yeah he uh but yes, he has been outstanding since probably around that time. That seemed like that was the time where it really started to, to sink in. And he's just been great since then. And they, they've stuck with their with their kicking, their entire kicking unit 
Corey Bajorquez was once again awesome, had an incredible punt that put the Dolphins basically at the uh, um, half-inch line uh, early on in that game. So Bajorquez and Bass, it seems like they have a, a pretty good duo heading forward. All right, let's go to the reverse Vontae Davis award, and I will give this to someone that you brought up just just now, Antonio Williams. It's got to be him because he took over that that second half for them. Um, I mean, Dean, Dean Marlowe probably deserves an honorable mention here as well, but I think those were maybe a, a tad bit on the lucky side for him. Um, it just being in the right place at the right time, we all know that turnovers are random, but for Williams running as hard as he did and and really finding the holes and and really just driving this this whole game home for them when it could have easily been him just being one of those guys applauding and getting 2.1 2.5 yards per carry he ends up averaging five over five yards per carry on 12 carries two uh two touchdowns had a 20 yard catch as well i mean williams was was awesome uh, in in the mop up duty and so I'll, I'll give him the reverse Vontae Davis award and and uh, I'm very comfortable with him thinking it's uh, w- with him being that award over anybody else. Yeah, I think that's a you know good spot that th- this game just set up perfectly for the reverse Vontae Davis award. So many guys really did. arrived at halftime as opposed to yeah. leaving at halftime, which kind of leads me to the Dre Archer award, uh, which I'm going to give to a guy who essentially did all the things that Dre Archer was supposed to be able to do, Isaiah McKenzie. Uh, Dre Archer was supposed <laughs> to be a do-everything um, running back slash receiver slash return man. Isaiah McKenzie has become that guy and, you know, had three touchdowns today. So uh, got to give gotta give some love to Isaiah McKenzie. All right, I'm going to go uh, a little bit off the grid for the Got to Watch the Tape Award here. And... I, I'm not. I'm not even gonna include it into into this game right here. I could go with the fact that Doug Marone punted the ball on fourth down with four minutes to go, down by only six points uh, to the Colts. I could do that, but I think there's something a tad better. And actually, <laughs> the uh, the Bills' official account. Um, quote tweeted this this gentleman who who decided to say way back in June to um, a a media person Adam Shine he said if the bills win 13 games i'll tattoo bills mafia on both of my ass cheeks so got to watch the tape here to see what happened when he was crafting that tweet was he perhaps under the influence at 10:43 a.m. on June 12th or uh, did did uh, he was he, he just thrown around some flames haphazardly? He has not since responded to any. Uh, oh wait, yes he has. Uh, it is uh, he has as of fourteen minutes ago. Uh, he is. It seems like he's going to do it. <laughs> um, his last four tweets, uh, starting fourteen minutes ago. Um, replying to old takes exposed saying, I'm a walking L dog. Next one time to man the F up. Someone, (laughs) someone called him out for abandoning Twitter. And he said, I'm here. 
And then he said to someone else, I'm deciding how to get it, get that S done. <laughs> so, uh, gotta watch the tape too. What happened on, on that original tweet crafting? I did and not, why you would put yourself in that spot. I did not want to watch the tape on the receiving of said no. tattoos. No, certainly but not. June 12th was a Friday. Um, we were in... 10.43 a.m. 10.43 a.m., but on a Friday. Um, you know, maybe takes Fridays off during the summer. was a weird summer. Um, you know, a lot of people working from home. 10.43 a.m. cocktail on a Friday. Um, I wouldn't blame the guy. Uh, so was during the pandemic, you know, yeah, exactly. So I, you know, I, I think there could be a lot gleaned from going back and, and rewatching <laughs> the tape on what this guy was doing. We, we should get the full context. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, definitely before we, we speak, uh, uh, speak too much more about it. Um, I feel like we should bring back the Mar- Matt Barkley award today, just for today for because Matt Barkley? Of, yeah, for Matt Barkley. Right. I mean, he had another he had his first touchdown pass since that day he robert fostered to what was who was the receiver was it gabe davis gabe davis yeah yeah he robert fostered gabe davis gabe davis 100 yard day today um another guy um lots of good um candidates for a matt barkley award but i feel like matt barkley even deserves it his own self yeah um yeah Tyler Matakavich had a couple of big blocks on the uh, on the punt return touchdown too, um, and then dropped an interception. So um, he had his chance uh, to have one of these one of these awards. But I guess that that's what happens when a team wins fifty six to twenty six. You could practically <laughs> sprinkle these around all over the place. Yeah, sure can. So the Bills they got it done. I, th- this this feels kind of weird. We're we're wrapping up a podcast before like three in the morning. This is this is kind of ideal. It's now eight thirty two p.m. Watching the Washington Philadelphia game, and I, I've kind of gotten into habit over these past four weeks of uh, being feeling way too tired and just rambling on to get to, at the at the end of these shows. But hey, this might be the last time we can uh, we actually don't have a. Um, a primetime game this year. I mean, we'll have to wait to see what the schedule comes out to be, but, but yeah, and Sunday at one o'clock. Yeah. I love them. I miss them. I was a big fan of, of the one o'clock start today for sure. Um, mm-hmm. There's going to be three wild card games in each league. So we have a two out of, or, or we have, yeah, I guess a two out of six chance of getting another 1 p.m. kick um four out of six chance of getting either a one or a four 440 is when the other kicks are but there are those two dreaded 815ers i'm sure that something tells me something tells me we're gonna get a night game yeah i don't know Maybe. the bills did really well on prime time yeah they I would, did i would have to they think did. They're, they're the hottest team um, going right now yeah i think there'll be a but you know there's some other uh there, it's a good slate so far um, that's yeah. been put together. I would expect whoever wins the NFC East maybe gets thrown into one of those one o'clock slots. Although these networks do love them some some NFC East, they like those markets. I don't know. Yeah, who knows? I think the Bills are a much more attractive uh, pick for those eight fifteen 
um, games than they ever were the last two times mm-hmm. they made the playoffs. Nobody was uh, clamoring for Jags, Bills to be the primetime playoff matchup. Uh, and kind of the same goes last year. So, yeah, there's uh, three three games, 105, 448, 15 on Saturday and three on Sunday. Um, I mean, let's look at the matchups. Like, you've got New Orleans against Chicago. Um, maybe. New Orleans has gotten think- the uh, the night slot quite a bit over the last but few it's years. chicago and trubisky yeah, which chicago, is the thing that holds me back yeah that's i'd say steelers browns you know they've got this browns team that you know everybody's real excited about breaking a playoff drought steelers are the steelers it's the colts part that i think might hold the bills back a little bit here um yeah they, they feel like they're gonna get that that prime time you know with the bills in the second and third rounds potentially um Three great matchups so far in the AFC. I think all those games are going to be oh, yeah. pretty fun. Um, the NFC, I don't know. Who is it besides the Saints and the Bears? Uh, it's the Saints and the Bears. Um, the NFC East winner versus Tampa Bay. And then Seattle against the Rams. So if I had to guess, I would say Saturday 1 o'clock, I'm going to say the NFC East against Tampa. 4 o'clock, I'll go... Baltimore, Tennessee on Saturday, and then Bills, Colts Saturday night, and then the Sunday I'll go at one o'clock Saints, Bears, four o'clock Steelers, Browns night game. Uh, I don't know if, if Jared Goff might be back. Yeah, I'll go. I'll go Rams, Seahawks because they like Russ. So uh, that that's 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 what I'll take. Maybe. Maybe flip the Ravens, Titans, and and Rams, Seahawks, but you know, I I think of the six matchups, getting the Bills in the prime time is going to be a heavy emphasis for them. But again, when you're by the time you all are listening to this, the schedule will be out, so this is all futile. So we're going to sound like idiots, no no matter what. But hey, maybe on the off chance I'm right, getting six out of six. Who knows? It will not be the first time that we sound like idiots. Oh, certainly not. I mean, we both took the under. It's usually a weekly. A weekly occurrence. The under was looking good. It was three nothing after the first great. quarter. I was like, "Well, that's um, that's at least one thing that that seems it looked freaking uh, great." And then somehow it turned into a eighty-two point uh, score fest. Scoregami, I believe, if I saw. Yes, correctly. it was. Um, the Bills outscored the over/under uh, by twelve and a half, thirteen and a half points. So there's that. Yeah, that was something. Yeah. That went out, that got out of hand quickly. If yeah, you bet right. the under, you probably uh, had some some mixed feelings, which is again why we'd say never bet the under, even when we advise you know it. We don't advise it. Yes, exactly. I will say I feel somewhat vindicated about giving poor advice about the over under uh, when before the game someone gave me a list of uh, anytime touchdown scorers, and I he said, "Hey, pick anybody," and and I said. Eh, try Antonio Williams plus six fifty. Why the heck not? It's pretty good odds. Two, t- pretty two good toddies odds, later, pretty good odds, but not like crazy odds. That's like you know, yeah, that's pr- true. Pretty good odds, but not like um, you know, way way long shot. But that's uh, about as that. That's a good. That's what you're looking for. You don't want to bet like an anytime touchdown score that's like you know lower odds than that. Plus six fifty is right. pretty good, especially if you you really. Uh, 
Because usually that's a bet you're probably doing 10, 20 bucks or whatever and right. hoping to multiply your money. That's a nice sweet spot for the odds. Um, but yeah, it was Absolutely. clearly the odds makers were on top of Antonio Williams because he, uh, where some fantasy sites were not. He was like not even a, an option. I know. Places, which was weird. Yeah, I thought it was. Yes, very much so. I guess the odds makers are not, not listening. Sad. Very much so. Okay, um, that's going to do it for us, and we will talk uh, further into the week to discuss the matchup in full. And, you know, I'm going to really dig into as much Colts stuff as I can and um, and trying to figure out exactly who this Colts team is, where they could have some matchup advantages and disadvantages, all the like, and see exactly how this thing could could play out on either Saturday or Sunday, whenever they decide to announce the schedule. Um, so, yes, Matthew Fairburn, any fond words of farewell this evening? I've got nothing. Just looking forward to some playoff football. As am I. Okay, so if you haven't yet, please uh, head over to theathletic.com slash Beat and subscribe to The Athletic. You can get all of the stories written by both me and Matthew Fairburn, as well as Tim Graham, John Vogel, who has the uh, the Sabres beat, keeping him um, pretty busy these days because they just got back into into training camp gear, getting ready for that regular season, um, and and having some interesting new pieces to say the least this year to surround Jack Eichel, and then of course any of our national uh, uh, coverage of the NFL and NBA, and Premier League, and basically anything else all right so for matthew fairburn my name is joe biscalia thank you everyone for listening and we will talk to you later this week on the buffalo